Good morning. Have you heard of the uh, genre of literature called alternative history? Some of you know what that is. It's, uh, it's fiction based on history when it you know, considers if certain decisions would have been made differently, then it kind of plays out that history. So for instance, what if uh, Abraham Lincoln had never been assassinated and he would have been a part of Reconstruction? How would have our country been different? Or what if uh, Japan had not attacked Pearl Harbor, bringing the U.S. into World War II when it did, but maybe we didn't get in the war until a couple years later? How might have the history of that war and, and the history of the world played out differently? This is alternative history, kind of the considering the, the what-ifs. I've read a couple books like this. It's just sort of fascinating to think about how history could have played out under different uh, situations. So this week, I tell you this because I've been thinking a little bit about a, a possible alternative history in my own life. What if seeking God through the scriptures had never become part of my life? How might my history have played out differently? My freshman year in college, I attended a Christmas conference with uh, the Ministry of Crew, Camps Crusade, back then in Fort Worth. And then, I don't remember if it was one of the main talks or some kind of breakout seminar, but uh, it was a session on seeking God through the Word, and there was this challenge to do what they called a 31-day experiment. And uh, I left that place with kind of a plan and scriptures to read. And the challenge was, to, after, after the conference was over, to take the next 31 days and daily meet with God in the scriptures, seeking through the scriptures. And so I took up that challenge. And 45 days later, I completed the 31-day experiment. So I didn't quite get it every single day. But it birthed in me a practice that has been part of my life now for almost 40 years. But what if? What if that had never become part of my life, seeking God through the word? How would my life be different today? Paul says to his disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, he says this about God's word and what it does in our lives. He says and that from childhood you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures inspired by God, it's profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. For 40 years, this is what God's word has been doing in my life. And so I have no doubt that an alternative history that did not include a rhythm of daily seeking God through the word, my life would be very different. Like, what wrong paths have I avoided? What right paths have I stayed on? What joy have I experienced? Because the scriptures have been part of my life. I have no doubt that seeking God through the word has made a world of difference in my life. Last week, Steve shared that during the six weeks leading up to Easter or Lent, we're going to enter into a time we're calling a season of seeking. And he shared that between now and then, we're asking you to do three things. Decide that you will seek God. Decide how you will seek God. And discern why you will seek God. And last week, he started us off by looking at 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, where we saw God's promise that if we, if we seek him, if we will find him, if we will turn and humble ourselves, if we will seek God, he will let us find him. And so today, in the next couple of weeks, we are looking at some of the, the ways that he has given us to seek him, through the word, through fasting, 
and through prayer. Obviously, there's a lot of other ways that God gives us to seek Him, but today in the next couple of weeks, we're looking at these three ways that God has given us to seek Him. And so today, we're talking about seeking God through the Word. And uh, we think that all of these sermons will help us focus on the how of seeking Him, but as well, we trust that it will help you decide that you will seek Him as well as why. And so today, we're going to look at Proverbs 2 that Caleb just read. As many of you know, in the early chapters of Proverbs, there's a, a father figure, a mother figure that are imparting wisdom to their, to their son. Uh, in one eight, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And so the, the father and the mother of Proverbs 1 here, they understand and believe that for their son, if, if he will listen to their knowledge, to their instructions, their teachings, that will give him the best life if he will follow that wisdom. For us, this wisdom obviously is the scriptures. This is where God has communicated his knowledge, his teaching to us. This is God's wisdom for us. In chapter 2 that we're going to look at, the father instructs his son about the effort that's needed to seek God through the scriptures or seek wisdom, as well as the benefits of that wisdom. And so what we want to look at today is both the effort and the benefits of seeking God's wisdom. And so he starts off by talking about how effort is essential in finding God's wisdom in the Scriptures. Effort is essential. Let me read, starting verse 1 again of chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it, like silver, and search for it as for hidden treasures. Mid-sentence. We'll stop there, right? It's going to continue. It's a long, one long sentence. But before we get to the then of these if statements, just notice what he says about effort. Look at all the words and descriptors of effort here, right? Receive, treasure up, make your ear attentive, inclining your heart, call out, raise your voice, seek it. Search for it. Effort. Seeking, right? And you get a sense of growing effort here, calling out for insight. Sort of a, a picture, a child in the middle of the night calling out for mom, you know, mom, mom. And, and when she doesn't respond right away, uh, she raises her voice louder and calls again. She intensifies her seeking of her mom. That's the picture I get here. The father describes the effort needed to find wisdom like, like if you're on a hunt for treasure. It's like searching for silver or treasure, digging for treasure. Effort, work to find wisdom. As you think about this picture of an earnest, consistent seeking for wisdom that's portrayed here, how does your own seeking for wisdom compare? Are you receiving, treasuring up, making your ear attentive? Do you incline your heart? Do you call out and raise your voice for it? Do you seek and search for it like treasure? What does your effort look like? The Father's encouraging effort. He's saying effort is necessary. Effort is essential. But he, he will say it's worth it. Because if the Son will seek, he will find wisdom. You'll find God. In both verses 
5 and 9, you see the word then. And so here's this is the follow-up of the if. If, then you will find these things. And so the Father says, if you will seek, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And you will find the knowledge of God. And so the seeking is all about finding God. It's all about uh, seeking him and his wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come understand, or knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. And so, yes, wisdom is found by effort. But it's also a gracious gift of God. He says, the Lord is the one who gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Verse 9, if, if we find the second then. If you seek, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Direction, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. If you seek God's wisdom, he says, it will come into your heart. It will come into the very core of who you are. And we desperately need this, right? We need God's wisdom coming into our heart. We, there's a lot of foolishness around, right? I mean, we live in a world where, uh, I mean, if, we, if you just think about like, if, if what is coming into your mind most of the time is uh, social media and a 24 news Cycle. Who is training your mind? We desperately need God's wisdom to come into our hearts. So easy to get sucked into the foolishness of the world. But if we seek God, we will find wisdom that help, will help us understand what is right and just and equitable. It will help us recognize what is truly the good path. And it says it will be pleasant to your soul. Pleasant your soul. So the father is making this appeal to the son, seek wisdom, make every effort to find wisdom, wisdom found in the father's words and commandments. And as as I mentioned before, that wisdom for us are the scriptures. This is where we find wisdom. And the father makes it clear that effort is essential in finding God's wisdom. But if you seek, you will find, and what you find will be good and satisfying. So seek wisdom. Make every effort to seek wisdom. As we come to the second half of the proverb, the Proverbs, the, the father begins to focus on the benefits of, of wisdom. Now, obviously, in the first several verses, we see plenty of benefits there, but that becomes kind of the emphasis in the second half, and he makes it clear that the effort will be worth it. The effort, whatever that takes, it will be worth it. And he says specifically, it'll be worth it because wisdom both protects and it provides. It protects and it provides. And so it protects from destructive things and it provides good things. And so first he says, when wisdom enters our heart, it will deliver us from evil. In both verses 12 and 16, you see the word delivering there. Some of your translations probably say save. And so he's going to talk about two different aspects of how it delivers us. Verse 12, he says, delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness who walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So he's talking about 
evil men here. In the next section, he's going to talk about an adulterous woman. I believe he's using these figures as metaphors. He's talking, talking about evil. Um, he says, if you find wisdom, it will deliver you from the way of evil men, from men of perverted speech. These are men who the Father says they forsake the paths of righteousness, and instead they walk in the ways of darkness. Their, their moral compass is so mixed up that they rejoice in doing evil, they delight in the perverseness of evil. And the paths of these men are crooked. He says, wisdom will deliver you from this. Wisdom also delivers from the adulterous woman. If you seek wisdom, he says, it will come into your heart, verse 16, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companions of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. And so the adulterous woman portrays sin as something alluring, seductive, and, and subtle. It lures us in, but once it lures us in, there is death. It says her house sinks down to death. To go to this woman is to leave the path of life. Wisdom protects from this. The point that the father is making is if the son will seek wisdom and it comes into his heart, it will protect him from these kinds of things, from evil, from destruction, from getting off the good path. I mentioned earlier at the start that I wondered what my alternative history might be if I had never made the scriptures and seeking God through the scriptures a consistent part of my life. I think these two what, I've been, what it says we've been delivered from it, I mean, it sort of pulls back the curtain, right, on what that alternative history might have looked like. Leaving the path of uprightness, walking in ways of darkness, rejoicing in doing evil, walking a path that leads to death, not seeing clearly what is right and wrong. Kind of the picture that uh, might have been part of my story. Now, I'm not saying... Uh, in these 40 years, I have followed God's path and his wisdom perfectly. I have not. But it's been a significant guiding part of my life. By the grace of God and with effort, his wisdom has been coming into my life for 40 years, guiding and leading me away from the kind of destruction that's portrayed with the evil man and the adulterous woman. Some of you would say that this is not your alternative history, that this is actually your history because you have not been seeking wisdom. So much of what the Father describes here is your history. Your, your life has not been oriented around God's word and his wisdom. It has not entered your heart. And as a result, these verses capture some of your experience, what life has been like for you. Wandering from the good path and all that that's meant in your life. Here's the good news for you. God promises that if you will seek him, you will find him. And it's never too late to start. God is the, the father, the prodigal God and the, the God and the prodigal son who's always arms wide open, Right? The son had wandered away. He'd gone far away, but he turned and came back. And the father was there, ready to be sought. And that is who God is for you. No matter how much you have not sought his wisdom, 
up to this point. It's never too late to start. Doesn't matter if you're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. It is never too late to start seeking God's wisdom. If you seek him, he will let you find him. It is never too late. And so wisdom, it protects us from the damaging effects of sin. But the father goes on to say that it also leads to life. It helps us stay on a good path. Look at verse 20. It says, if you seek wisdom, it will enter your heart. And so you will walk in the way of the good. And it probably means the, the, the way of the good people. And, and keep to the paths of righteous, to the righteous, of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. If you find wisdom, it will help you stay on what is called the good path, the path of the righteous. He says, you will inhabit the land. And that's a picture of stability, of of solid footing. That's a picture of blessing in your life. If we find wisdom, we find life. Wisdom both protects and it provides. Part of the benefits of wisdom, if we will seek it. It takes great effort to seek God's wisdom, but the effort will be worth it. You'll find wisdom. You will have wisdom that will come into your heart. It will keep you on a path that is stable and secure and lead to blessings in your life. And so whatever price you have to pay to seek God's wisdom, it will be worth it. Life, joy, stability, satisfaction. I want to come back to the three decisions we're asking you to wrestle with during this time. We're asking you to decide that you will seek God, why you will seek God, or how you will seek God, and and discern why you will seek God. Proverbs 2 speaks to all of this, doesn't it? I mean, why seek God is all over this passage. If you seek God's wisdom, it will come in your heart, it will guide you. And I, I know that part of the encouragement in discerning your why is discerning what are the specific areas of life that you need wisdom in? Uh, but it's all over this passage. The, the why is that we need God. We need God's wisdom coming into our lives, helping us stay on the good path. But, but take time to get clear about your why. In, t- in terms of deciding how you will seek God, this passage makes it clear that, that understanding the Father's teachings, His instructions, that's part of the how. And for us, again, that's the scriptures. Seeking God through the word will always be a central component to how anyone seeks God. There's a lot of other things, but, but seeking God through the word is, is so necessary. It's so central. And so I want to take a few moments to think about in real practical ways what it looks like to seek God through the scriptures. When we get to the season of uh, seeking, we will have a lot of direction for you on ways to seek God, passages to look at, but, but we don't, don't want to wait till then, right? Like what about right now. And so some of you have rhythms, you have plan, that's great, keep on with that. But if you're like, I don't know what to do, here are some thoughts about how to engage God through the scriptures. First, make it a daily rhythm. Make it a daily rhythm as much as you can. Unless I'm fasting, I eat food every single day. I eat it three times a day with snacks in between usually, right? I want the nourishment that food provides for my body. 
Why wouldn't I want that spiritually as well? The nourishment of coming in a regular way to be in the scriptures. The nourishment of God's wisdom coming into my heart. Why wouldn't I want that? I need to, to, to have a daily experience with God. So seek God daily through the word. Decide that this will be part of your how. A daily seeking of God. And then make sure you have a plan. If I don't have a plan for how I'm going to seek God in the scriptures my motivation can wane very quickly because if I get up in the morning and don't really know what I'm doing, you know, but, but when I have a plan, I'm just, it just sort of draws me in. So make sure you have a plan about the what and the when and the where. And so what is it that you're going to, whenever you do it, sit down and read? What are you going to study? What, 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 what part of the scriptures are you going to look at? If you have no ideas, I, I would encourage maybe to start with the Gospels. We, we are called to walk as disciples of Jesus, right? And so the Gospels are about the life of Jesus. It's a great place to start. And so during the season of seeking, we're, we're going to be looking at Luke. So maybe how about Matthew or Mark or John? And, and just read a chapter a day from that. And part of what I like to do, I have a journal. And uh, in my reading, I will be just sort of looking for what verse seems to jump out at me today, what, what verse seems to speak to me or confront sin or whatever, and I will write that verse down, and I will journal some thoughts about it, and I will journal some prayers around that verse. That's how I engage God daily through the Scripture, something as simple as that. So it could be a chapter in the Gospels. You could continue through Proverbs, take a, a Proverbs, a chapter uh, a day, and, and just read that through that. Or, or books like Galatians or Ephesians, where Paul gives some real foundational teachings about the Christian life. Those are shorter, right? You could maybe pick a, a part of a chapter and, and read, and, and, and read slow and reflective and think. But make sure you know what you're going to do. And if you, don't, if you need more help, ask a friend who you, has, has more experience with this. Uh, the Version Bible app has a lot of fantastic uh, guides for, for Bible reading plans, but make sure you have a what you're going to do. And then think about when and where. Uh, when are you going to do it? Where are you going to do it? For me, my when is six in the morning. I, I get up at 530 pretty much every day, weekends maybe a little bit later, but uh, shower, eat breakfast, and by six o'clock, I'm sitting down for my time with the Lord. And for me, part of that is I have to pay attention. If I'm going to get up at 530, I have to pay attention to my bedtime, and, and this is important time. And so, like, like, when there's things on, like, the Olympics, that can be hard for me because I always want to stay up a little later. But I have to pay attention to getting to bed on time because this time, I want it to be a daily time, and I want to be alert and awake. And so I have to tend to my evenings to make sure the morning happens. So uh, think about your when, and then where. Uh, for me... Um, for me, it's in my office upstairs at my office desk, and uh, there's something about that place. I can sort of get quiet and centered and focus, and, and I love that space. If I were to say, I'm going to wait till I come to my office here and sit at my desk here, I would see a million tasks and things that need to get done, and I would not be able to quiet my heart down. I would be distracted and restless and wanting to move on to something else. So find a place where you can get quiet and reflective and, and centered on God. So think about your what, your where, your when. Make a plan. Make a plan. And so this is all about the how, right? This is all about how we will seek God through the scriptures. Finally, then, we're asking you to decide that you will seek God. 
The how doesn't matter unless you decide that you will seek him. Today we are celebrating the Lord's table. And in eating the bread and and drinking the juice, we're reminded that Jesus came into this world to save us from our sin. Ephesians 2 tells us that there was a time where we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were walking according to the course of this world, that we were by nature children of wrath. In other words, God's righteous anger for our sin was abiding on us. That was where we were. But it also says, but God's mercy showed up and his grace showed up. And because he's rich in mercy, um, he loved us and made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. Today, as you eat the bread and drink the cup, drink the juice, be reminded that you have a God that desperately is seeking you. That you have a God that is so good. Why would we not seek him, right? Why would we not seek a God who loves us like this? And so my encouragement in these moments would be to meditate on Christ's costly sacrifice for you. Let that strengthen your resolve to seek him. Use these moments to decide that you will seek him. I'm going to pray and give you a little time to kind of talk to God. Just so if this is your first time here, we will, I will read a, I'm going to pray and then I'll read a passage of scripture and we'll eat. Then I'll read another passage of scripture and we will drink. But let me pray and then I want to give you a moment just to kind of talk to God. Father, in these moments, would you strengthen our resolve to seek you? Remind us of how good you are. Bring our attention to you. Remind us of the things that you've done in our life. Remind us of how you've sought us and that what you're offering to to us is life and wisdom. God, if there's areas where we need to just confess our, our apathy, our lack of desire, our lack of seeking you, show us that in these moments. God, meet us now as we seek you. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this 
as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, today, this week, these, these couple weeks, would you help us decide that we will seek you? Help us to decide how. Help us discern why. Father, thank you for this passage that makes it clear that it is worth it to seek you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, let's stand together. Be all else to me. 
We have gathered today because God has called us, and uh, this prayer that we're about to pray is a reminder that we are also a sent people because God sends us into the world. Our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings is one way that we seek